0: Got Got Your your Ears On is brought to you you by Tactical Legion 9. Alright everybody, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoot, Zing, and Johnson. Merry Christmas guys. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, new year just around the corner, and a WVU bowl game happening. Uh, on Tuesday evening and I'm hoping we have one more gift under the tree for this year one more win maybe one yes. more win under the tree well if you look at the uh if you look at the um the sports books if you look at the odds uh, not favored in West Virginia's uh side of things right now Minnesota the Golden Gophers are favored by five with an over under of 45 um and I think that's awful <laughs> I can be honest with you guys I think it's awfully generous I'm very nervous about this game i think the biggest news coming out for west virginia letty brown as we said last week not going to be playing in this game and i think as much as i think tony mathis is going to be able to do a good job i am not sure if losing letty how you know how much that really hurts us, Scooty.
1: are you are you saying that maybe we didn't play him enough or try other people enough
0: well, at least at least him. I mean, if you look at it this year, Letty Brown had two hundred and twenty-three attempts at rushing. Tony only comes in with fifty-nine rushing attempts.
1: Does that season. seem to be maybe the uh, modus operandum of this coaching staff to ride one person through thick and thin and a lot of thin, no matter what happens? yes well
0: i think it is what it is i mean letty brown was you know an all-american he was coming to preseason all-american he was you know hyped rush you know hyped going into the season i think we expected to see a lot of him i just worry now i mean obviously he's stepping out because nfl draft or professional football issues uh you know i kind of hope tony uh, can kind of take over, but yeah, after that, you know, there's not a lot. It's pretty thin after that rushing line. Well,
2: I think, I mean, you'd be naive to think Letty sitting wasn't going to be a a not so great thing, right? I mean, I I totally agree with you. You can't have Letty not be there when he's been such a part of the offense all year. But I I think Scoot would agree with me that I feel like I don't mean it negative to Letty because I mean he's been a huge part of this, but. Tony Mathis has run with a ton of energy. We saw some games this year when he did get in, I think at tech, I mean, I think um, home against Texas comes to mind, for example. and and, at, and when we played Kansas to finish things up, he ran with tons of energy, super explosive, super shifty scoot. I think, you know, it, we we could be doing worse, is all I'm saying. When if Letty's not going to be there, then I think Mathis is still a great option, and I'm actually excited for him. I think he's probably going to be motivated to grab the reins and like, hey, this is my shot. So I, you know, I, I I'm interested to see.
0: Yeah, And Zach Frazier said Sunday during the press conferences down in Arizona that uh, you know that Tony Mathis is one of the hardest workers in the gym. He's one of the hardest workers at practice. Um, and that, you know, on top of everything else, that it's a great opportunity for him because he's going to see a lot of time next year. And uh, so it was, it was really nice to hear Zach come out and, you know, be very positive about what he thinks Tony can do.
1: What's odd to me is if you look back at last year's team, same coaching staff by and large on the offensive side, uh, we used Alex Sinkfield quite a bit. I think right. it's kind of yeah. like uh if if Letty was Thunder, Alex Sinkfield was kind of like lightning, right? Um odd that we didn't do that this year. Cause I think that now granted Alex Sinkfield's a little bit slighter than Tony Mathis. I think Alex Sinkfield's a little bit more of a uh I think of him more of like a slot receiver type guy. But you would think that maybe they would have mixed Tony Mathis or Avarious Sparrow or Justin Johnson, even a little bit more than they did um, early on in the season. Now, a Sparrow of course has left, but um, I'm just surprised that they didn't mix somebody else a little bit more into
0: the mix. Yeah. And I think that we kind of know what we're going to see from WVU guys. I mean, with the fact that you've got, you know, a little shallow on the running back side of things. You've lost a couple of wide receivers, but the guys who have done a lot of the production this year are still going to be there. And obviously Jared Dagey probably going to see most of the time as a starting quarterback. I'm going to be interested to see what happens after his bowl experience last year, Dagey. you know, and getting pulled in the second half and Austin Kendall coming in and essentially, well, and actually winning the Liberty Bowl last year. It'll be interesting to see how uh, Dagey responds this year going back to his second bowl game.
1: Let's say we have a similar situation, right? Let's say he comes out, uh, throws an interception, fumbles on a – um what, he fumbled on a uh, sack, I think, last year. I think those were two right. of the big – Let's say he does something very similar, okay? Do you yep. see any scenario where Neil Brown switches at the quarterback spot?
0: I mean, I think it- – <laughs> I don't know, Scoot. My hope of hopes that it is, I think it depends on where the score is. I think if that, you know, I think last year, I think last year, and I'll phrase it this way. I think last year, Neil Brown knew that Austin Kendall could probably come in and win the game. I'm not sure that he has the same feeling about Garrett Green being able to come in and win a game.
2: I would have the same comment, Scoot. I think it's just a different level of confidence, right or wrong. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. But I think last year he kind of knew he had something in his back pocket if things went south. I'm I'm, not sure he feels the same way.
1: And I know this is a crazy thought. So just let's go down the road for, for a piece just for fun's sake. So let's say he does make a switch at halftime, goes with Garrett Green. Garrett Green leads us back to a win in the bowl game. Does that create a major quandary going into next season? Because you've got Jared Dakey, who's very possibly coming back. You've got Nico who's supposed to be like, everyone has already anointed him like the second coming of John Elway or uh, somebody. I don't even know who he's the second coming of, but we've already like he's putting a statue outside of Milan Pushkar for, for him. And then, Then you've got maybe a Garrett Green who may have led us to a bowl win. So, does that cause a problem?
2: I think it causes a problem amongst the fan base. Uh, I can see that happening for sure. I can see people doing the see, I told you so. Where's Garrett been? All year now, I, I don't think it, Scoot. You're not going to like this, but I don't think it causes any changes among the coaching staff because, just like last year, they still came into the new season pretty committed to to Jared Diggy, and I can see them totally doing that even under those circumstances again this year. So I, I think it's an interesting scenario. I think all it does is rile up the fan base even more. To be honest, I don't know that it changes who they pick as QB one.
0: But I think actually in actuality, like I think we've, I think there's maybe. Uh, one or two scenarios where you see Garrett Green in this game. And I think those scenarios are, you know, obviously Daggy gets hurt, Garrett Green's the backup, but I think those scenarios are we are either up by a lot and have enough junk time for Garrett Green to get some time or we're down by a lot. I don't think it's going to be a situation like last year in the Liberty Bowl where it was a close game and Daggy wasn't performing and we made the switch. I think that even if it's a close game going into the third quarter, Daggy's still in there.
2: Well, I think another scenario too, Guido, could be I I really feel like in in down the stretch, we saw where teams that weren't ball hawking and turning, you know, good at forcing turnovers, number one and number two, allowed us to have a good running game. That was very beneficial to us. Minnesota comes in, they're pretty bruising. I think they finished ninth nationally in rush defense. So, you know, we're talking about Tony Mathis coming in he, he's it's not only going to be about his ability it's going to be about just facing what's probably going to be one of the better if not the best rush defenses we've seen all year that's going to be a tough test my worry so just to skip ahead a bit I, I know you're going to get here Guido but I think my worry is what if we can what if we're not able to run the ball what if we're what if we're having issues running the ball, putting more on Deggie, putting more on the passing game? What What do you guys think? You know, do you think we can rise to the challenge? That's a, that's a bit of a worry for me
0: yeah i mean minnesota all season has been a tremendous defense in the in the big 10 and on top of that and they've let they lead in a lot of categories and most of the games that they played they held whatever team they were playing under their season averages if it was you know rushing yards passing yards scoring so they may not have won those games because i think they're offensively they struggled a little bit but i think defensively they're definitely going to be one of the better teams that we've seen this season i
1: i think it's going to be really interesting i I think we're gonna have a tough time uh, moving the ball and, and I think I, I would like to make a prediction, okay. I think I think we will see Garrett Green on the third offensive series. He will come in, he will run an RPO where he tucks it and runs for four yards. And then he will come back out of the game and we will never see him again. Is That's that what correct. you're saying? That is correct. Okay. We do that.
0: We're going to do that. Yeah, that was going to be my question. I mean, we've had these two weeks off or three weeks off, whatever, since we've played a game, you know, has Neil Brown in that time tried to reinstate a lot of the stuff he was doing mid season where Garrett green was coming in mid mid you know mid series and they were running these odd plays or even like we saw at the Texas game where they both were on the field at the same time. Like do we see more of that trickeration if you will scoot? Or,
2: or scoot like scoot like an Oklahoma game where he comes in with a true scripted like
1: series and they go down the field stuff like that. I think it kind of depends on on the coaching staff right and Neil Ma- Neil Brown's mindset. So I think there's two ways you can look at this is Neil Brown. The kind of guy who gathers with his coaches at the conclusion of the regular season and says, okay, let's go back and watch film from our 12 games. Let's see what worked, what didn't work and why it worked. Are they going to do a deep dive analysis to try to pull together some plays, some, some scripted areas where they can take advantage or find some advantages or Are they just going to play with what's currently working? And I think that that's that's the the difference. It'll either be one or the other. The chances of us doing both are very – there's not enough time to do both. So I think that um, depending on Neil Brown's mindset, and and I don't really know well enough. I mean, we've seen him uh, coach in – this is what, his second bowl game? So I don't – whatever he did in the last bowl game really – didn't knock the socks off of anybody. I know. Granted, there has to be some execution involved as well, but you know, it wasn't like. Um, so I, I don't know. I guess like the answer is I don't know.
2: Well, I think we're talking a lot about the offense. I I really think this is going to fall on the defense, and I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how. Minnesota is interesting if you kind of dig into their stats for the season. They've actually had a ton of injuries at running back, but they really don't even seem to care, Guido, who plays running back. I think right now they have a – unless people have uh, healed up, they were pretty much working the whole tail end of the season with two freshman running backs – Um, like in a platoon, their offensive line, they feel so good about it. They're so confident in their offensive line. They just sort of run anyone out there, um, behind that offensive line and they have success. And I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how out we we've been stingy against the run. Um, but that's going to be a huge task.
0: Yeah. Trace and Potts went into the season as their main running back and then got injured and Kai Thompson and Marquise Irving, who are two names you're going to hear a lot because they platoon them are the two freshmen running backs that came in, you know, combined now they're over almost 1200 yards. Um, so they've, they've really kind of, they average, I mean, both of those guys average almost five yards a carry. So I think that's one thing that you know to kind of keep in mind, and then you know their quarterback Tanner Morgan, who um you know is he's mo- he is somewhat mobile. I mean, he can get out of the pocket and run if he needs to. You definitely have to they, th- that offensive line that they have is strong, and our defensive line is going to have to really kind of break that down.
2: Yeah, and another thing, we I was trying frantically here to to dig it back up, and I will for the website, but we we had read some stuff earlier when this when this matchup first came out, where. I think the only team nationally to run the ball more in terms of attempts than Minnesota, I think, was Army. And we, and yeah. we know like how grueling that bowl game yeah. and I, you know, watching army play anytime it's like that, they just look to grind you out. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how our defense responds to that. I think they can, but I also think the offense is going to have to do, I don't think they have to score a ton of points, but they need to help those guys get off the field every now and then. Or I think I, I worry that that's a game where like by the fourth quarter, you know, you're just like exhausted from this punishing you know, running game the whole time.
0: And they're not bad through the air either. I mean, Turner Morgan's done well. He's got almost 2000 yards passing for the season. They've got three. And I got to tell you guys, the hyphenated Jersey names are going to be on fire. This game. So, <laughs> you know, we've got Bryce Ford Wheaton. We got that one. Uh, they've got their number one uh, receiver is Chris Ott- Ottman. Bell is his name. Uh, you got, um, Braven Span Ford and Mike Brown Stevens, all hyphenated <laughs> names, are their top three receivers. Um, but those guys all average, you know, 14, 12, 14, 17 yards uh, per catch. Um, and all those guys, you know, they spread it out. They've got, like, again, same thing with running back. They've got three or four receivers that carry the weight on their team.
1: Interesting enough about this Minnesota Gopher team as well is that uh, they kind of follow this mindset that, P.J. Fleck has kind of instilled. One, he's a coach that wears a tie, which you don't see too often. Yeah. Very very often. Uh, Two, they're uh, really pushing this boat theme. They row some sort of boat. Yeah. There's a big rowing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. uh, Which – Big on rowing, yep. which doesn't fit gophers at all. But I guess there's a lot of lakes in Minnesota. Not,
2: not really, but right? Maybe. That's so I don't it, know, Like, I would guess. you think
1: that you would have gone with something a little bit more gopher centered? Dig the hole. Dig or the hole, like, what? Or, <laughs> dig or, or I don't
2: really know what gophers do. But let's I'll, ruin the golf course. Steal the carrots. Like, don't gophers like? St- I, I mean, I watched a lot of cartoons when I was a kid. Don't they steal carrots? And I, they think, I think they about
0: do. The gopher and uh, Caddyshack, Scooty. That's all I can think about every yeah, time get they the say ball. gophers. Get the, get the golf ball get the, get the golf ball yeah it'll be interesting so we're a little more guys than 24 hours as we record this from kickoff and the one thing we haven't talked about is how covid has been affecting the bowl season so far it's been crazy the fenway bowl the hawaii bowl the military bowl all canceled because of covid issues rutgers who uh, is what five was five and seven. I think they got a bowl game to come in the Gator bowl because Texas A&M got sick with COVID Uh, as of Sunday at the press conference, uh, there was no COVID issues as, as they said for either team. How do we feel with less than 24 hours left? Do you think you think we're going to get this game in?
1: What's Okay, so here's my question, right? A typical college football roster, how many people are on that roster?
0: Well, each team's probably traveling somewhere in the 70 range, I would yeah. guess, of players, of players, but you got to remember not only do you have players, but you have a ton of support staff that goes with them, probably another 70 people.
1: So my my question is though, right, if and I know this is going to sound uh, probably stupid, which eh, I'll take that chance. why <laughs> <laughs> why do we have so many people on these rosters if we're not willing to use some of them? Now I get it in some cases, you've got uh, you know twenty offensive line or whatever 20 linemen offense and defense and maybe thirteen of them are six, so that leaves you with seven and that causes a problem where you can't you know have enough, right? But if you've got like my thought is, yes, you want to have your scholarship players there because those are the ones that are typically first and second string players. But what's the point of even walking onto a team if you have zero chance of playing? And, you know, you there's your one opportunity where you might be able to get to play, and they're like, you know what? Uh, we'd rather cancel the game than have to run you out there on the field because we don't feel <laughs> good about that. So <laughs> well, thanks, no, I, thanks for wearing the I uniform. S- <laughs>
2: I see your point. I, My assumption has been, though, that contact tracing sort of gobbles up the entire roster, right? Am yeah. I not even thinking that? Because you're right, Scoot. I totally, get, I totally get what you're saying. But I'm assuming those guys are also sort of like wrapped up in, you know, now you have to quarantine too and you can't participate. I hope. But-
1: I don't know that that's always the case, but I hope. That's the case, because yeah, you're right. That would stink
2: if they were like, uh, oh, we have to play you. Oh, you know what? We're canceling. We're not doing good
1: about Tommy. He's freaking (laughs) a turnover (laughs) machine in practice. We're not going to. We can't play. Like, that's why bother having rosters this big?
0: Yeah. And it's so interesting right now. And if you follow it, Brett McMurphy, by the way, if you get, if you're on Twitter, Brett McMurphy sort of like, he's like the go to guy right now for everything that's happening, happening in COVID. I mean, I'm looking right now, two minutes ago, he's talking about how Boise State and Central Michigan are getting their COVID results today. And they're predicting right now a 60% chance that the Arizona Bowl game is played on Friday. Like, wow, gosh. I mean, so we're you know we're talking about these games getting canceled left and right. And- well, it
2: does feel really to answer your question, Guido. I mean, it feels really like on eggshells for me at least because I'm really hoping the game gets played. I'm excited about it, but you're watching. Like you're, you know, you just listed off all those games. I've halfway been expecting to just either you guys send me a tweet or something announcing it's not going to be played.
0: Well, it's like it's like the game on New Year on Christmas Eve with uh, the Hawaii Bowl, where like they literally met was it Memphis that was in that game? Like yeah, like traveled tw- like,
2: like 22 hours prior to the game yeah. or something,
0: they're canceling that bowl game. Like, I mean, I woke up on Christmas Eve and I was watching the news in the morning, and the game was canceled overnight. So, so I, mean, I think that's that's the part for me where it's like, I'm I don't believe this game going to happen until maybe a couple hours before
1: so here's maybe where we went wrong and i say we like not us but like uh i guess organizers of bowl games right so what i think probably should have happened and people were naive to think that this probably wouldn't happen with the COVID outbreaks is what they should have done is okay these are the two teams we plan to have however here are a group of four schools that are, you know, or three schools, whatever. That if some one of these teams can't play, you guys are going to be next one in. And, and what that would have done? Now, granted, some of these schools might have been five and seven. Uh, I guess you could even entertain a school that was four and eight if you really had to. But maybe that leads that that team that coach to keep his players somewhat isolated from the outside, kind of in a quasi bubble to continue practice to kind of just be ready just in case now you may not get the chance but if the chance you know presents itself we're coming and i think you kind of saw sort of now it would have been weird how marshall was lobbying to get a second bowl game which i don't know that that's ever been a thing where (laughs) you can play in two bowl games and they're not like part of the uh, the college football playoff but I think there's got to be some coordination there on the other in the part of some of these other schools, right? So it it would be nice if you could just say, well, um, you know, uh, Texas A&M can't play. Hey, New Mexico, you guys, you get to go or yeah, whoever. Right.
0: And, and, and you're right, Scooty. it would have been a great idea because then those teams, you could have just picked up, you know, whatever, a dozen teams or so and said, hey, you guys can have these 15 extra practices just like you were going to a bowl game. And then you're like on call. You're the backup. It's just like what's happening in the NBA right now where you guys got guys it's like Joe player, Johnson yeah. that are 42 years old coming up and playing. Yeah, they're, they're like backup I've players. I actually had to turn you know? down a
1: couple of calls.
0: Right. Yeah, guys. Yeah. I was, I was assuming that, Scoot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I, it'll be interesting. I mean, I just think it's been very, it's, I almost feel like this bowl season has been almost more pins and needles and nerve wracking than last bowl season. Well, it's, it's weird because
1: by and large, the regular season kind of happened without too many issues, right? I mean, you might've had an occasional, um, school have to either change the date or or i don't know that it's actually we had too many cancellations throughout the regular season but the fact that it's all hitting right now in what's seen as like the hey this is your big game of the year that's where it's kind of right. like and I, and I don't know i think some of this is being uh, i think we'd be naive to say that the the transfer portal and, and some of this opting out for you know draft purposes isn't playing a bigger role than it normally would um, because you might have five or six guys, you know, quarantined, but because you had five or six guys already either jump into the transfer portal or decided I'm not going to play that's put the, you know, so now you're down 12 or 13 guys instead of being out five or six.
2: Yeah, that's a good right. point. I'm glad you brought that up because we talked about Hawaii, for example, specifically in the Todd Graham situation where they've had so many guys now jump into the portal. Um, I They are blaming that on COVID, but I think that's pl- probably playing an equal unequal effect for them at least maybe not these well, other schools and it, for, it's them.
1: for the coaches they're going to say it's covid right because then it doesn't it's not as negative as like well how come <laughs> you're, you're pushing right. these guys away like why can't yeah, you keep right.
2: these guys right. on the field yeah graham's just going to be like oh covid bad. COVID's right. terrible
0: right so we'll see what happens i mean there's, there's still some time left as you're if you're listening to this right when we drop it but it, uh, there's still some time left for this game to get uh to get sort of pulled back. So
2: what is your, I was going to ask you though, if we're, are we going to go ahead and do some predictions? What is your feeling for an outcome on this game? Mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, to be so most, a lot of the predictions I have seen have been Minnesota, 28, 20 Minnesota, 30, you know, it's been like this Minnesota by a touchdown or two. I'm going to be honest with you. And, and uh, I'm usually the eternal optimist of the three of us. Um, I'm not, I'm not feeling it guys. And I'm not feeling it to the tune of a pretty bad beating. I think, uh, I think maybe, maybe we get 14, maybe we get 17. You think a multiple score deficit for us or what? I'm, I'm like 42, 17. Ooh, gosh. Okay. I think it's not going to be pretty. I think it's not. I think it's not going to be. Pretty I feel like you just
2: opened the door for Scoot. By the
0: way, I well, feel like
2: he's going to lean into it now that you did that. So your
0: optimism
2: you- sort of reigns him in, Guido. So
0: I know, I know it does. And here's the thing, though. And I, let me let me back up and say that I, I'm I I think that I'm nervous about WVU. Um, offensively as we have been all season. Like we know that we've had these issues all season with the offensive side. I think we're going to try to pass the ball more because we don't have Letty Brown. And I think that's going to add a little bit more strain onto the offense. And then on the other side of the ball, as much as I've been happy, defense, the, the WVU defensively has struggled the second half of the season in parts and on top of everything else. I just worry that a big 10 offensive line is really going to open up a lot of holes for these two young running backs. And we're going to get run all over in this game.
1: So, um, I think this is going to sound crazy. I think 31 17 better than Guido. I think we do better Better than than Guido's predicting.
2: But you're saying 31-17 Gophers. Yes, you're saying, yes, yes, okay. yes.
1: I'm not saying we win. I think we do score 17. I think that uh, maybe Tony Mathis finds the end zone. I think that uh, uh, maybe we get uh, some kind of weird pass play. I don't know how that's going to really lay out, but I do think we get 17. I think um, our defense is 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 fairly solid. I think 31, though, is a reasonable number for Minnesota to score. Um, That is my prediction. 31-17, write it down.
0: So, Johnson, this puts you in a very precarious position because I feel like one of us has to pick WVU. It wasn't me, which you guys all expected it to be, I think. Scoot, we knew it wasn't going to be. Where do you stand on this? Well,
2: gosh, yeah, you do put me in a bad spot here because I I think, you know, reading – What I've been reading since this matchup came out um, Minnesota, you know, like we talked about, ninth rated nationally against the run. They're four and one on the road this year. So being at a different location isn't really going to affect them much. PJ Fleck's coming in. I think I read where they've won now four bowls in a row under PJ Fleck. I think the tie plays a factor for me. It just gives me, me, yeah, gives me the impression that they got it put together, Scoot. Yeah, I I mean, it didn't work for Al Golden, but that's okay. Guido, I think this is one of those games where you, you know, when, um, you know, when you're watching Kansas State earlier this year, and it's like two thirds of the way through the first quarter and we were texting each other like, well, so much for this game. Remember, like, remember this feels very much like with this, with this offensive line and running game that I'm running, that I'm reading about, it feels like very early in this game. I'm afraid this is one of those games where we're like, you know, two possessions in and it's like, okay, we've got a big problem here. You know, like it it feels like it could be one of those games. I'm going to say that, I'm, I I have a hard time picking a win. So unfortunately, I think I'm going to put us over for three here. Uh, I like Scoot's score. I think Scoot's score indicates like it feels like one of those games that as the course of the game goes on, we just get worn down. I, I, I'm i going to go. I'm going to go 28-17. Um, I, I think it could be a long. I think it could be a long game just because of. I think that, I think that rushing attack is going to wear us down. I think, um, Minnesota doesn't do anything flashy. So there's going to be small opportunities for us to get turnovers from a defensive point of view. So I think it's going to be a grinding game.
0: I thought you'd be a little bit more optimistic though, because I mean, it is white jerseys, gold pants, you know, blue helmet. I thought that's that's positive for you. That did get me excited.
1: I'm not going to lie. Well, I'll, I'll do one better. I'll even give you a halftime score. Okay. Okay. In okay. true, in true West Virginia fan. Uh, now that I I've kind of become entrenched in it, um, I think halftime we are down fourteen to seven. So okay. it's close enough where we feel like, hey, we're just one big play away from keep our hopes up. Yeah, that's what you're yeah. saying. You know, kind of keep us, you know, so that we don't turn the TV off at halftime, and then the second um, half just the second half us. we just can't. Yeah, we just can't. They third quarter they just run the ball and run the clock, and then see. Uh,
0: man, this is weird because I'm totally opposite to you this time, Scoop. Because like if you put, if you pulled me for a halftime score, like I feel like this is going to be one of those halftime scores where it's going to be like. 21 three and it's 12 or one o'clock in the morning and i'm like man maybe i'm gonna go to bed maybe it's 21 three and i'm gonna go to bed like that's i have a feeling that's that's like deep down that's what i feel like is gonna happen
2: i'm already feeling sorry for future us because i'm gonna have to like (laughs) i'll be up all night because at two in the morning i'll be so angry you know i'm already like feeling sorry for future me here tonight oh man I tell you, I
1: think I think it's close enough where in true West Virginia fa- fashion, you think, OK, we got a chance. We're we in got this. a chance here. You know, maybe we can maybe something will change. It'll be different right. than what we've seen before. And we'll have right. some kind of positive outcome. <laughs> Yet we know it's not going to change. It's not going to be any different <laughs> than before. It's going to be agonizing and and make you want to punch somebody scoot so, has become a true west virginia fan yes
0: he has he really has welcome aboard scoot welcome aboard well listen guys <laughs> let's take a break we'll come back we'll talk a little wvu basketball here so don't go anywhere you're listening to got your ears on vortex knives is a west virginia owned and operated company specializing in high quality steel fast opening everyday carrying knives if you go to vortechknives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's V-O-R-T-E-K-Knives.com, V-O-R-T-E-K, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. VorTech Knives. welcome back to got your ears on guido here along with scoot and johnson and listen don't forget find us online look for us on instagram or twitter at got your ears you can also find us on facebook and check out our website GotYourEarsOn.com. it's the hub of everything about us johnson it lets people know all of the important information that they need to know about wvu sports
2: it does you can find each show there in blog form with all the uh, links to stuff we talked about in the show notes probably some stuff we didn't even get to you can also find the link to the latest show in the sidebar and don't forget to click through to the store anything you buy helps support our donation to the hugs fish fry so check it out
0: yeah check it out got your ears on .com. well listen guys let's talk a little bit about wvu basketball here wvu right before after our last show but right before christmas played youngstown state and won 82 to 52 but that score is a little misleading i think because the first half of that game might be the worst basketball I have watched in a long time. And, and so that game was on ESPN Plus, and we got the opportunity to hear Dan Zangrilli do the play-by-play. And uh, he finished the first half, and he, and he actually said, he goes, that might be the worst basketball game I've ever called. Like, <laughs> it was 24 to 23 West Virginia at halftime. Johnson it was atrocious
2: yeah and I know at one point I think it was a combined shooting percentage of like 11 percent for both teams I think WVU was like seven of 30 at one point it was it was rough to watch and it was it was weird to watch because it was across the board I mean no one could throw it in the ocean um I thought it was one of those games where you felt like the team had already, I think, hugs at the at the break as they were going to the locker room. He made the comment like apparently they had already gone on Christmas break. He didn't know yeah. that, but apparently yeah. they had already gone there
0: mentally. So it was, it was rough. WVU in the first half was 7 for 30 from the field, 23%. <laughs> they were 0 for 5 at 3%. The only thing that was good, and this is what I don't understand about this team, they stunk at everything else. They were shooting 83% from the free throw line, which they usually shoot like 50%. They were 10 for 22. I'm
2: I'm glad you brought that up. It it was like bizarro world. It made no sense.
0: (laughs) I just, this team, I just cannot figure out what they're doing. And I don't think coach can either. And even after the game, in the post game with Tony Caridi, Scooty, he kind of laid into him. I mean, even after winning by, you know, 30 points, 82 52 over Youngstown State, he said, they were horrible He because I, these guys have no drive. No. I mean, he was he definitely did hardcore coach hug and speak. Well, and, and what's
1: even crazier, and maybe this is an indicative of just what was going on this past week. Sean McNeil was recently named Big 12 Player of the Week for his performance in the Youngstown State game.
2: <laughs> in one half. Yeah.
1: He had twenty three yeah. points in the second half. And that, right. by, that by itself, that 20 minutes by itself got him the Player of the Week. So, well, and does that mean Guido, I think played. What's going
2: on? What, well, and Guido, I think the point you were making. They he had a quote from Hugs that says, um, "You got to play with some enthusiasm." We had a couple guys who I thought we could depend on for that, and they decided to be clowns instead. I mean, that's <laughs> pretty like that's he had okay. just had
1: it. He, he was like yeah. fed up completely. It's funny because Coach Huggins, more than maybe any other coach, uh, with the exception of I guess Beheim and Shasheski. He seems more like a dad than he does a coach at times, right? Because that's something your dad would say.
2: Yeah. That's, that's like, I don't see Shaka Smart
1: saying that to one about one of his players. Like, right. I feel like this is a dad type conversation. Yeah. Like, I, I agree. Have, okay. You're not going to go, uh, take care of the dishes going to continue to be a clown go be a clown and take out the garbage then you know like it's <laughs> it's right. like it's it's kind of goofy but at the same time like that's that's where we're at with this program and it does make you wonder who the clowns are
2: well and i didn't even read i should have read so the most impactful part of that he said the next time they want to do it they can be clowns the rest of their life but it just won't be here And I think that, you know, that, that was like the hook on that quote. And I think you're right, Scoot. I spent the rest of the time looking at the box score, like who are the clowns? Like, like,
1: but I think he was just across the board. Are you you a clown? If you played, if you didn't play, are you a
0: clown? Right. Yeah, Yeah. If you
2: didn't see the court, are you, yeah, you didn't work hard enough to even get on the court. Like what, what are we reading there?
0: Well, I'm actually starting to, I think, and maybe I could be wrong, but I'm starting to think some of that's pointed towards, you know, guys like Jalen Bridges and Isaiah Cottrell. Like I think those are the guys that he's sort of more pointing that to. I mean, Sean McNeil does what he does. I mean, Sean, and here's the thing. And Scoot said this early, I think Scoot said this last year, and he said it earlier this year, maybe when we were talking to Brent, like when Sean gets hot, he gets hot. It's just a matter of, like, when he can actually get hot and start shooting the ball. Taz has been leading this team all along, but Taz, again, has another cold game. He's 4 for 12. You know, he was 2 for 3 beyond the arc um, and still had 16 points. But I think I think a lot of it is pointed towards guys like Jalen Bridges and Isaiah Cottrell and Kedrian Johnson in some ways. where Those are those middle guys that he expects more out of that aren't producing.
2: Yeah, and I think Scoot, one thing, because you brought it up last week, Taz only won turnover this game. So that was kind of good. I thought, you know, we we had some a stretch of games there where we felt like Taz was probably felt like he had to do more, kind of got in one of those like trying too hard situations and had some a little bit of sloppy play. I didn't see any of that here. As bad as it was in that first half, I didn't get that feeling. Um, and I think it's also we should also mention scoot in true dad form hugs had a follow-up quote um that where he said uh, they're good people they just got into a bad habit you know i feel like that's dad
1: coming back like not yeah. you know,
2: let's pull you out of the ditch a little bit i don't want to completely you know wipe you wipe you out there
1: so well i was gonna say i know that we're winning games i still don't feel good about it i still don't feel good about the the organization of the team or the makeup of the team in the sense that um we're still very heavy on, on the two guards that we have on, on Taz and McNeil. And if, if one or both aren't performing, we're going to have a lot of these games where it's like, okay, really close to teams that we shouldn't be close with at halftime and then hope that they get hot in the second half or that they snap out of it. And, and you know, we still aren't seeing big time scoring from a third or a fourth different person.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And, and and you're right. Like, here we are. I mean, WVU is 10 and 1. We are right now, if you believe rankings, we're 28 because we're third and also receiving votes place. So, you know, we're. Th- this is where I, I don't disagree with you. Like, you come into the season, you know we're in a position now where we're going to start playing these teams. I mean, our first game off the bat is against number 17 ranked Texas on January 1st. You know, we are in the twenties according to the AP poll, but I can't see this team like, you know, gelling together yet. Well, I think I I'm going to continue
2: to harp on it, Scoot, that I really think this team is begging for the point guard position to establish itself. Now I thought it was interesting that we didn't talk about it a lot over the text machine, but coming back from what I thought looked like a really bad ankle injury in the previous game, um, Malik Curry plays 18 minutes to Kedrian Johnson's 10. He goes no turnovers that I think is A+. And he goes 4 for 6 from the field, scores 12 points, adds 4 assists. I, I think that's super solid. And I think if he could create more, I would start, you know, I have these games with Malik Curry early on. I'm like, oh man, I think this could be the point guard I was hoping we were getting from Old Dominion. Then he has a couple games where I'm like, I I can't stomach the turnovers. And now look, I know most of this happened in like a second half when we finally got our heads out of our collective rear ends. But I still feel like we see these glimpses where Malik Curry could be that little bit of a third
1: like compliment. If, if he could keep the turnovers down and maybe create more, I could get, I could get excited about that, but I, I don't know. We need some consistency there, right? We can't have the up and down because if we have the up and down, we're going to have to cross our fingers and hope that the up is when the other guys are down. We can't have them all on the same page one game, and then nobody on the same page in the next game. That's that's a recipe for disaster. I will say this, though, in, in terms of the ranking. Um, I know I've seen a lot of people on Twitter going uh, ape, uh, going ape, saying that we should be higher ranked and that uh, we're 10 and one and you know, we're not a blue blood. So that's why we get pushed aside. To be honest with you, I think 28's a fair ranking. I think 28 is, is a fair assessment with this team in mind, right? You I can't think, just look I think at 28.
2: a generous ranking scoot to be honest well, with
1: you. And I, yeah. And I, I think you can't look at just the record and say, well, we're 10 and one. Why aren't we ranked 15? You know, so-and-so is 10 and one and they're ranked in the top 10 that's it's who you play it's what we're what and i know there's some sort of uh it probably shouldn't be any prediction based on on where your rank is but the first ranking that comes out is all prediction based so there is some prediction based on, on rankings so i think it's a fairly um like you said, generous or, or fair ranking.
2: Yeah. And I think Guido too. I save, you guys know, I love, uh, at WV stats guy on Twitter. I, I don't, he always tweets out such great stuff. He had a tweet earlier this week, WVU 11 and one this season, five, uh, Q1 or Q2 games. Now we'd have to dig into that. He, he kind of tweeted out what the Q, the quadrant games mean, yeah. uh, but three Ken Palm top 70 opponents so far, the remaining schedule, <laughs> this yeah. grind They're of a <laughs> conference 18 q1 or q2 games 19 so all, all the entire rest 19 remaining games top 70 can palm opponents so i think Scoot, yeah. your, your point stands I, i'm reinforcing your point that yes you're 11 and 1 and that's great i'm glad we are in that marquette loss you could argue we just we just lost the handle really we should be 12 and 0 and we should have won that that tournament um The second half of this season or, you know, what I'm saying, these next 19 games, wow, wow, is the competition going to be going to be a different animal. So,
0: yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how WVU does when we, you know, get into the to the conference play i mean we start off we start off rough i mean we start off with texas you know and then we play a tcu team that's not great but you know that game's on the road so we had two two away games on the first and the third um to see how we can handle that uh texas game is at the irwin center in austin it's a noon tip off on january 1st so good good way to spend new year's day that game's on espnu and then on the third they play TCU in Fort Worth. That game is also on ESPNU at 7 p.m. Guys, we're going to wrap it up this week. We'll be back next week with another show. We'll break down the bowl win, bowl loss. I mean, if you go by all three of us, it'll be a bowl loss. And we'll talk about this upcoming basketball conference everybody have a happy new year and don't forget look for us online you can find us on instagram and twitter at got your ears you can also get, check out our website got your well happy new year happy bowling and happy new year yeah and don't forget wvu plays in the guaranteed rate bowl that's tuesday night the 28th at 10 15 p.m so Drink your Red Bull, take your no dos and be ready for some football. Yes, in, into the wee hours of the morning, we'll all stay up. We'll make. I, it. I,
1: I hope that you make it past halftime, Guido.
0: <laughs> I, maybe we <laughs> I
1: should do some too. side, uh, some prop bets on Guido's yeah. awakeness. <laughs> yeah, we should. We should do <laughs> some
0: prop, prop bets on who can stay, who's going to fall asleep first. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I'm planning. I have already planned in my day uh, a nap. Like I have a, I've you know cordoned you, off a. You know, hour a section and a half of period time. There to try to you get have a section of time yeah. for a nap. Yeah, I'm like, everybody, leave me alone. I got to get some nap time in before the game. Yes. Off, before the game, tip. Key. So. Key. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On.